0: Capital Market Insights from ICMA
1: My name is Paul Richards, Head of Market Practice and Regulatory Policy at ICMA. I'm going to introduce this ICMA webinar on the transition from LIBOR to near risk-free rates. The authorities globally have been encouraging the market to transition from LIBOR to near risk-free rates and in the sterling bond market all new issues of floating rate notes have referenced overnight Sonia compounded in arrears instead of LIBOR for some time. The remaining problem in the sterling bond market relates to tough legacy LIBOR bonds, where the authorities are keen to ensure an orderly wind down of LIBOR when panel bank LIBOR submissions cease at the end of 2021. This webinar is in three main parts. In the first part, my colleague Charlotte Bellamy is going to speak about the UK authorities proposals to ensure an orderly wind down of LIBOR, including in the sterling bond market. In the second part, my colleague Katie Kelly is going to speak about the adoption of risk-free rates for new issues in the bond market. And the active transition of legacy LIBOR bonds to risk free rates, focusing on progress to date, but also on the challenges. In the third part, my colleague Mushtaq Kapasi is going to focus on the Asian dimension in the transition away from LIBOR to risk free rates.
0: Hello, I'm Charlotte Bellamy, and I work in ICMA's market practice and regulatory policy team. As Paul mentioned, the end of this year is a significant milestone in the long running story of LIBOR transition. The FCA in the UK will exercise for the first time its new powers to compel IBA, the administrator for LIBOR, to publish what is known as synthetic LIBOR for the one, three and six month sterling and yen LIBOR settings. For U.S. dollar LIBOR, the most commonly used settings will continue to be published as they are now until the end of June 2023. But parties will be discouraged or in some cases legally restricted from using them in new transactions. All other LIBOR settings, including all of the Swiss franc and euro LIBOR settings, will be discontinued at the end of this year. My remarks today will focus mainly on the introduction of synthetic sterling LIBOR at the end of this year. Many of the issues and questions also apply to synthetic yen LIBOR, which my colleague Mushtak will cover in more detail in his remarks. So why is synthetic LIBOR important for the bond market? The FCA has estimated there to be around 480 outstanding bond transactions, including securitizations, in the UK at end 2021, referencing one of the three sterling LIBOR settings for which synthetic sterling LIBOR will be introduced. And that has a total notional value of around 90 billion sterling. The FCA anticipates that a material amount of these contracts have either no fallbacks or inappropriate fallbacks to deal with the cessation of LIBOR. So synthetic LIBOR is therefore an important tool to provide more time for these legacy bonds to be redeemed, either at maturity or through call options being exercised, or to be actively transitioned away from LIBOR. Importantly, the UK authorities have been clear that synthetic LIBOR is not to be used in new contracts, which should instead reference alternative rates, such as SONIA. The introduction of synthetic sterling and yen LIBOR raises five broad questions for the legacy LIBOR bond market. ICMA has engaged extensively with the FCA and HM Treasury on these questions by different consultations over the past 18 months or so. We now have a good degree of clarity on most aspects, but certain questions remain outstanding. The first question is on the composition of synthetic LIBOR, i.e. what will synthetic LIBOR be? So the FCA has confirmed that the methodology it will require IBA to use will be term Sonia for sterling or torf for yen plus the respective ISDA fixed spread adjustment. And what does that mean in practice? Well, in a recent letter to the UK House of Lords, Lord Agnew noted that it is difficult to speculate on what the exact difference between synthetic and panel bank LIBOR will be on the day that panel bank LIBOR ceases. But the FCA is clear that its chosen methodology will, in the medium term, broadly produce the same economic outcomes as panel bank LIBOR, but smoothed to reduce day-to-day changes which result from changes to the credit spread. Our second question relates to the publication and presentation of synthetic LIBOR on screens, i.e. whether synthetic LIBOR will appear in the same way on the same screen pages and at the same time as LIBOR does now. And this is important because many bond market contracts refer to LIBOR by referencing screen pages and time of publication and paying agent systems are set up to reference LIBOR as it's currently published. The FCA has helpfully confirmed that LIBOR's administrator will be required to continue publishing synthetic LIBOR at the scheduled publication time and for all applicable London business days, as is currently the case. And the FCA also stated that it doesn't expect the changes in the underlying methodology to affect how LIBOR is displayed on the relevant screen pages. A third question relates to regulatory restrictions on the use of synthetic LIBOR for UK supervised entities. Because synthetic LIBOR will not be representative of its underlying market, the UK benchmarks regulation will restrict UK supervised entities from using it in legacy contracts unless the FCA specifically permits them to do so. It's also important to note that there is a blanket prohibition on new use of synthetic LIBOR. So for legacy use, the FCA announced yesterday, 16th of November, that it has decided to permit, at least for the duration of 2022, use of synthetic sterling and yen LIBOR in all contracts except cleared derivatives. This is welcome for the bond market because there would likely be significant legal and practical issues if synthetic LIBOR appeared on a screen, but UK supervised entities were restricted from using it for certain legacy bonds. Many bond contracts were not drafted with that scenario in mind, and so people would likely be left wondering what they should do in that scenario. In some cases, there might be quite significant implications, such as events of default being triggered or mandatory redemption of legacy securitizations at par. And from a practical perspective, there would likely have been quite significant challenges with working out which bonds were impacted by the prohibition and which weren't. So whilst the FCA's decision on legacy use results in all legacy sterling and yen LIBOR bonds being able to use synthetic LIBOR under the UK Benchmarks Regulation, at least for 2022, it's possible that some bonds will actually not need to use synthetic LIBOR because their fallbacks are triggered before it's introduced. And that could be the case for legacy sterling and yen LIBOR bonds that have been issued more recently and contain fallbacks triggered by an announcement of unrepresentativeness, sometimes referred to as pre-cessation triggers. Typically, those fallbacks will provide that the issuer will appoint an independent advisor to help with the determination of a successor rate and a credit adjustment spread. For sterling bonds, such determinations will be supported by the recommendations that have been made by the working group on sterling risk-free reference rates. It's important that issuers and other parties check the terms of their legacy bonds and take legal advice where necessary to ensure that they know how the terms of their bonds operate. Moving on from the question of the types of bonds for which synthetic LIBOR will or can be used, another key area of focus and our penultimate question has been on contract continuity, i.e. whether synthetic LIBOR will fit with all the different types of LIBOR references that are seen in legacy LIBOR bonds and whether parties might seek to argue that synthetic LIBOR is not the rate they agreed to reference and that contractual fallbacks have been triggered, for example. In the UK, the government has brought forward legislation known as the Critical Benchmarks Bill to help address these questions for contracts governed by a law of the UK. The UK government has stated that the bill will provide certainty that contractual references to LIBOR should continue to be treated as references to LIBOR where the FCA has directed IBA to introduce synthetic LIBOR. And this should be very helpful in addressing the industry's concerns regarding contract continuity. That bill is passing through the UK Parliament and it's hoped that it will be passed into law before the end of the year. For legacy sterling and yen LIBOR contracts that are not governed by a law of the UK, for instance, um, Japanese, New York or an EU law, there's currently no legislation providing explicitly for contract continuity. So Mushtaq will mention some considerations for the Japanese yen LIBOR market in his remarks. And for the EU, it's also worth noting that the chair of the Euro risk-free rate working group recently sent a letter to the European Commission on a possible designation of synthetic sterling and yen LIBOR as a statutory replacement rate under the EU benchmarks regulation, with the aim of providing legal certainty for EU law governed and certain other EU contracts referencing synthetic LIBOR. It's not yet clear whether that will lead to a designation under the EU Benchmarks Regulation or not. Our fifth and final question relating to synthetic LIBOR is the length of time it will be available for. For synthetic sterling LIBOR, this question is still outstanding. The law in the UK allows the FCA to compel IBA to publish it for up to 10 years But the FCA must review its decision to compel IBA to continue to publish it at least annually. This means it's not yet clear when synthetic sterling LIBOR will end. The FCA has been clear that users of LIBOR should continue to focus on active transition rather than relying on synthetic LIBOR, and that the FCA might consider progressively restricting continued permission to use synthetic LIBOR in legacy contracts, if that would help to maintain progress towards an orderly cessation. Before I hand over to Katie, it's worth emphasising briefly that, away from synthetic sterling and yen LIBOR, most US dollar LIBOR settings, overnight, one month, three months, six months and 12 months, will continue beyond the end of 2021 in their current form. However, the US authorities have issued guidance That those US dollar LIBOR settings should not be used in new contracts after the end of 2021, subject to certain exceptions. The FCA is similarly restricting UK supervised entities from using US dollar LIBOR after the end of this year. The expected date for the cessation of the panel bank versions of those dollar LIBOR settings is the end of June 2023. This gives market participants more time to transition their legacy US dollar LIBOR bonds, and other contracts. At the end of June 2023, it's expected that the legislation that has been introduced in New York and the EU and is being discussed at a federal level in the US that aims to deal with the orderly cessation of LIBOR will provide a statutory override of LIBOR references in certain legacy contracts. It's not yet clear whether the FCA will require IBA to publish a US dollar synthetic LIBOR or not. How this plays out, and in particular, how the different legislative solutions interact will be a core area of focus for market participants, given the extensive global use of US dollar LIBOR. I will conclude my remarks by emphasising again that it's not clear how long synthetic LIBOR will be available for for sterling, And the end game for US dollar LIBOR in mid-2023 is still uncertain. So it's very important that bond market participants continue to actively transition their legacy LIBOR bonds to alternative risk-free rates. And that's what my colleague Katie Kelly will now discuss. Over to you, Katie. Hello, my name is Katie Kelly. I'm a senior director at
2: ICMA working on, among other things, the transition from LIBOR to risk-free rates. Now, just to reiterate the messaging and the overall point, the consistent message from the regulatory authorities has been, by way of summary, firstly, to cease new issuance of LIBOR-linked instruments, and secondly, to encourage the active transition of any instruments that are already linked to LIBOR. In terms of new bond issuance linked to Sterling LIBOR, as Paul mentioned, that pretty much ceased some time ago. The Sonya bond market continues to thrive, with approximately 145 sonya Link bonds outstanding, totalling almost 84 billion since March 2018. Conventions have largely stabilised, with the consistent approach being to use Sonya-compounded in arrears with a margin-added and typically a five-day lag mechanism. There's been consistent use of a lag approach to waiting which weights the SONYA rate according to the number of days in the interest period. Various indices have been published to support RFRs in sterling and in US dollars, which are compatible with the shift approach to weighting, i.e., weighting the SONYA rate according to the number of days in the observation period. The lag approach to weighting has been used in the overwhelming majority of sonya link transactions, but that's not to say that the shift approach can't also be used. So these market-led developments over the last number of months have helped to ensure that the conditions for SONIA issuance are optimal, which has in turn facilitated the Sterling Risk-Free Rate Working Group's Q1 2021 milestone to ensure no further issuance of Sterling LIBOR. In the US, There are almost 2,000 SOFR-linked bonds outstanding. As far as we understand it, the US market hasn't yet coalesced on one particular set of conventions, although the ARC, which is the official sector-sponsored working group looking at US dollar LIBOR transition, has suggested conventions for a number of different products. Euro-STR issuance remains insignificant with 15 issuances. Moving on to active transitioning of any instruments that are already linked to LIBOR, this has already been achieved to a certain extent in the sterling market using consent solicitation, which is the process which facilitates the amendment of bonds. Under English law, 75% of a certain quorum of holders may vote in favor of an extraordinary resolution to amend the terms of bonds, in particular, the interest terms. In the sterling market, around 90 sterling LIBOR-linked legacy bonds have already successfully transitioned to SONIA. While this represents good progress, as Charlotte mentioned, the FCA estimates that there are about 480 outstanding bond transactions referencing LIBOR, so less than 20% of the affected bonds have been transitioned so far. As for why this is the case, well, it's important to highlight that there are challenges associated with consent solicitation, and not all of the transactions which have been carried out so far have been successful. The quorum and voting requirements are quite high and it can be hard to even identify all the investors, let alone ensure their engagement. The cascade of information and communications between the parties is cumbersome and may also be compounded if there are different ownership structures in place, especially as much of the operations process is conducted manually. Consent solicitations can be costly, time-consuming, and potentially complex, which, of course, can be off-putting. And some transactions may just be too difficult to amend, such as securitizations where the parties may be absent, and there may be complexities in the structure itself. And also, given the sheer volume of transactions that require to be transitioned, there just hasn't been enough time to do everything. So we've already heard about the use of synthetic sterling LIBOR for those legacy contracts that can't be transitioned away from sterling LIBOR before year end and that have inappropriate or no contractual fallbacks catering for LIBOR cessation. But as it's not yet clear when synthetic LIBOR will end, it may not be that all of the 480 outstanding sterling bonds may be able to avail of it, although it's likely that a significant majority will. As they may have a maturity which exceeds the availability of synthetic starting LIBOR. They may even be perpetual. So even if synthetic starting LIBOR provides a pathway for transition for starting LIBOR referencing contracts, it's only temporary and there's still some way to go. This means that notwithstanding the challenges already highlighted, the focus really should remain on active transition, even when synthetic starting LIBOR is published. For those longer-dated or perpetual bonds where there's still some uncertainty, or for situations where the parties want to retain economic control of the transaction, or maybe want to have the ability to align with any associated swaps, which will fall back to SONIA compounded in arrears in line with the ISDA protocol. And in the case of synthetic yen LIBOR, we know that the end date for its availability will be the end of 2022. Convening bondholder meetings to amend the terms of bonds is not likely to be familiar to many Japanese market participants, but my colleague Mushtaq Kapasi will develop this discussion further. As mentioned elsewhere, US dollar LIBOR settings will cease at the end of June 2023, allowing time for more transition of US dollar LIBOR bonds. However, as under New York law amendments to interest rate provisions typically require consent of 100% of holders of the outstanding principal amount, the consent solicitation process is uncommon and relatively impractical. So the New York law statutory override of LIBOR in certain legacy contracts is very helpful. Thus far, there's only been a handful of consent solicitations to transition US dollar LIBOR bonds to suffer under English law. So it remains to be seen what will happen in these cases. So as I said, I'm now going to hand over to my colleague Mushtaq to summarize other developments in Asia Pacific. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Katie. My name is Mushtak Kapasi. I'm Chief Representative for Asia Pacific for ICMA. I will now summarize recent developments in Asia Pacific with respect to tough legacy LIBOR linked bonds. In Japan, The Financial Services Agency and the Bank of Japan have published the results of a survey on the transition from Japanese yen LIBOR. The survey found approximately 300 bonds referencing JPY LIBOR that will mature beyond end 2021, when the publication of panel bank yen LIBOR will cease and synthetic yen LIBOR will be introduced. And these bonds also did not incorporate fallback provisions as of end September 2021. These figures are broadly consistent with FCA estimates that there will be at least 320 outstanding bond, including securitization transactions in the UK and Japan at end 2021, referencing one of the three Japanese yen LIBOR settings with a total notional value of around 14 trillion Japanese yen, equivalent to 123 billion US dollars. Earlier this year ICMA and Bloomberg conducted an analysis of Japanese law bonds with inadequate or no fallbacks maturing after 2021. Many of these were callable and long dated and therefore may remain outstanding at the cessation of synthetic yen LIBOR at the end of 2022. So many of the issues that Charlotte has previously outlined with respect to synthetic sterling LIBOR, are also relevant for synthetic yen LIBOR or TORF, TORF, plus the relevant ISDA spread adjustment. In particular, there is no express legislation in Japan dealing with contract continuity, similar to the legislation that is expected to be introduced in the UK. However, to reduce the risks to investors and issuers associated with transition, the Cross Industry Committee on Japanese Yen Interest Rate Benchmarks of the Bank of Japan recently issued a consultation with guidance on tough legacy contracts in Japan. The Bank of Japan encourages amendments to Japanese law bonds, referencing LIBOR, under the procedures specified by law. In cases where amendments may be difficult to implement in the short term, it is recommended for issuers and bondholders to negotiate in good faith to reach a shared understanding with respect to the use of synthetic LIBOR or alternative rates, as well as spread adjustment methodology. ICMA supports these recommendations, particularly as synthetic LIBOR will cease at the end of 2022. Turning now to US dollar LIBOR, many of the issues that Charlotte mentioned are also relevant in Asia Pacific. We understand that ICMA that issuance of US dollar LIBOR linked FRNs in Asia has not entirely ceased. While it appears that the most recently issued bonds do have fallbacks to anticipate the cessation of LIBOR, regulatory authorities globally and in Asia have consistently been stressing the need to move away from LIBOR for some time. The best way to minimize the LIBOR transition risks is simply not to issue new bonds linked to LIBOR and to actively transition any instruments that already link to LIBOR and will mature after relevant cessation dates. This concludes the update for Asia Pacific and Paul Richards will now share closing remarks.
1: We at ICMA will continue to engage with the authorities and consult our members on the global transition away from LIBOR and keep our members up to date through the ICMA quarterly report, our benchmarks webpage, and webinars such as this one. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.